this series that I'm launching today, it's going to take us to four different destinations. We're going to experience four different destinations, and, and those destinations are our codes. Now, we have several codes. You can find them on our website, but this series is going to hit a couple key codes. Those codes serve as nautical markers for our church. They, they, the word of God is very important to us. The resurrection of Christ is very important to us. These codes are nautical markers that come from this. They're crafted out of this and they are what make sure that we don't drift. Heard about someone that went scuba diving and decided that thought the water was okay and, uh, didn't do what they normally did and dropped the anchor. When they came up, the boat was gone, was gone. The boat had drifted so far, blew their mind, could never imagine that happening. And there they are without a boat. And it wasn't like the boat had shifted a hundred feet. They didn't see the boat. It was calm before. And then evidently it picked up and the current and the wind and that boat was no longer there. If we're not careful in our lives, we'll drift. It's called mission drift. We'll drift. And so these are our anchors, if you want to say it that way. There are codes or nautical markers. So we make sure we are headed in the right direction. So week one today, we're going to start off with code one. Code one is it's all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Why is it all about Jesus? Because hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. I want to unpack that a little bit before I do. Let's just look real quick at a couple other destinations that we're going to go as we discover how Jesus called us to be the church that he wants us to be. And we are the church. We're not a country club. We're a church. And we exist for the world. And so... In this series, we're going to let the adventure begin. Number one, code one, it's all about Jesus. Week two is code number four. We are contributors, not consumers. Because as I just said, we are the church and we exist for the world. Code six will be at week three. And that is we believe invite matters. Because people want to belong before they become. And you know, we're anti-embarrassment. I've got a friend here today who I've invited for a long time. They're here today. We believe invite matters. You have friends here today that you've been inviting for a long time. What hangs in the balance of an invite oftentimes is life change. Why do we believe invite matters? Because people want to belong before they become. And then the last week, we'll have Father's Day in there, but then the last week... Week four, code nine, we don't maintain, we multiply. We multiply because we refuse to settle. Colossians one is where we're going to jump to the word today. Colossians one. So go ahead and go there. Pull out your phones. Colossians one. We're going to go there. We're going to unpack code one. It's all about Jesus. Colossians 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. We're going to unpack this. Colossians 1 verse 6 says this. This same good news. Someone say good news. good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. You're going to watch a video at the end of the message today where the good news went out right here from Gulf Breeze and touched someone who's now our friend all the way in Brazil. The good news, we're living the word of God right here. 
We're not, this is not a one day, let's pray for revival. Like, no, 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 this is like, God is here. God is moving now. God is on the move. God is with us. And, and we're experiencing what Paul wrote about to the church in Colossae. This same good news that came to you. How many of you have received the good news? Well, don't get excited about it. Let me ask that again, because that was an epic fail. (laughs) Epic, y'all really. But that's okay, no perfect people allowed. We're glad you're here. We're going to try it again. How many of you received the good news? Not the bad news, the good news. The good news. I received that good news. When I found out that Jesus would forgive me, Jesus would cleanse me, like not just some of the things that I did, but all of the wrong things that I did. When I found out that the blood of Jesus was stronger and greater and better than my sin and he would make me new and he would raise me from a dead life to a new life and he would say hey you don't have to go back to that old life you can you can walk in a new life you you've got new purpose you've got a calling i formed you and even before i formed you in your mother's womb i called you to make a difference to serve me in this generation god placed you purposefully in this generation because this generation needs you How about that? This generation needs you. And so that gospel came to us and it's going out all over the world. I thank God for social media. I thank God for technology. I thank God that people right now in Germany, people right now in Brazil, people right now in Guatemala, they are watching online. And the good news is going forward. It is, watch this, back to the verses. It is bearing fruit everywhere. How is it bearing fruit? By changing. Someone say it. See, the gospel brings about life change. That's what the gospel does. You can't ignore the gospel. You can't ignore it. You can disagree with it. You you can walk away, but you can't ignore it because the gospel is here and it's everywhere and it's changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard. I want you to go back to that first day that you heard the good news. I want you to go back in your mind to that first day when you heard that Jesus loved even you. Maybe it was in Sunday school. Maybe it was last week. You found out that God loves you. And I love this part. The day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Grace is the place I want to be. That's the place I want to be. It's a place of grace. And if you don't know about God's grace, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And it's freely offered for you right where you're at. God has enough grace for your marriage. God has enough grace for your ministry. God has enough grace for your personality. Some of y'all want to say amen, but you're sitting right beside them and you're like, help me, Jesus. Keep them lips shut. He's got enough grace. For all of us. Isn't that cool? Not just some of us. I'm thankful that God's no respecter of persons. Thankful that God didn't say, I like you. I don't like you. I like you. No, no, no. 
And God's good news is going out all over. Let's stay in this chapter. I'm going to set it up real quick. Colossians is, is um, you need to know this. Most of the New Testament was written, it was written to Greeks and, and written in Greek. And large, the biggest majority of the audience would have been to Greeks. So God calls his guys. He wants to get the word out and is getting it out to the Jews, but he also wants to get the word out to the Gentiles. Gentiles, anyone else that's not a Jew. So if you're not a Jew today, you're a Gentile. And God's heart was that that word, that gospel, that good news, good news, death, burial, resurrection, that would get out. So he goes after Paul. He was Saul. He changes to Paul, he was a God persecutor. Jesus changes him, and now he writes the majority of the New Testament. And he's writing to these Greeks in Colossae. And God's church is there, and they're faithful. They're faithful to God, and they're faithful to people. That's what God's looking for. Because to love God is to love people. He said, Let, you need to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul. Love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this church was doing good. However, the Greeks during that time, they had all kinds of guys. You've heard of some of them. And they were philosophers. Some of them were really bad theologians. And they were painting this picture that Jesus, okay, we will recognize that he came, but he is not God. He was not God. He will never be God. And it was a direct attack against the deity of Christ. You see, if you pull the deity of Christ, if you pull that card out and you say, Jesus isn't God, then everything crumbles. And so Satan would have you doubt more than anything. He would have you doubt that Jesus really is God. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there where you're like, really? You're like, man, I really wonder if what I believed is really true. Some of you, some of you need to think about what happens next. And I'm going to talk about in this life, I'm talking about in next life. I mean, we are so prepared for everything. We got insurance for everything. And, and life is so short. Don't you know that? It's so short. I met with a teenager yesterday who found out two days ago that he has cancer. And we had him over for lunch and just loving on him, fed him lunch and just prayed over him. Life is so short. We're believing God's going to heal him. We believe God still heals. We believe that. We believe that. And, um, but God is God and God does it his way. That's what God does. But we're going to pray. The more we pray for it, the more we believe it, the more we see it. The more we see it. So these Greeks are attacking the faith and this church is beginning to struggle. They're beginning to, they're still loving God, but they're starting to doubt God. We've been there before. Have you been there? Time to be honest. Have you been there? Turn to the person beside you right now and say, I've been there before. I've been there before. You've been there before too. And this attack is against who Jesus is. Now watch me, watch me, watch me. Who is Jesus? That's the most important question that you'll ever have to face. It's the most important because everything hangs in that balance. You just believe he was a good man, then you're good, man. Keep on going for now. 
if you believe that he was just some prophet that didn't really matter because there's so many of them. Um, you can ignore him now, but you can't ignore him later. If you're an atheist today and you're like, I don't even believe in God, we're glad you're here. And you don't have to be like us to be loved by us. We're going to love you regardless. You don't have to look like us, act like us. We're just glad you're here. We love you because God loves you, even though you don't believe in him. And um, we're glad that you're here. But but you got to ask that question. you got to wrestle. And, and as brilliant as you may be, you, your mind is not as big as eternity. And so you, you better ask that question and face that question, who is Jesus? Because there's a book that said some things about Jesus that really affect everything. And what we do with that question determines a whole lot. Who is Jesus? Jesus asked that to the disciples. He was like, hey, who are they saying I am? Who are they saying I am? And they're like, some saying you're John the Baptist. Some saying you're Elijah. He said, but who do you say I am? And today I think Jesus would single you out and say, who do you say? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And then you remember Peter spoke up. Peter spoke up and said, man, you, you are, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, man, I'm going to call you Peter, the rock. And upon that statement that I am, because Jesus is the I am. To Moses, God revealed himself as I am that I am. In John 8, 58 in the New Testament, the, dis, the uh, Pharisees were saying, what's going on? And Jesus was talking and he said something about Abraham. They said, what you know about Abraham? You know nothing about Abraham. That was a long time ago. And he said, before Abram was, I am. What he was claiming is he was there before Abraham. What he was claiming is that he created Abraham. What he was claiming is he was co-existing um, with God and co-equal with God. He was claiming, I am God. That's who Jesus is. That's why it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus because Jesus is God. And so he's Lord and he needs to be Lord of all. He actually is Lord of all. And he may not be Lord of your life right now, but one day you will wish he was Lord of your life. And if he's not Lord of all in your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. He is God, creator God. And these verses are going to go on, but understand that the Greeks back then, they believed that there was this force that held the world together. And there were many gods, but there was this overwhelming force, and that was called, in the Greek, logos. That was the force that they believed held everything together. And then John would write, in John chapter 1, he would say, in the beginning was the logos, the word. In the beginning was the word, and the logos, the word, was with God. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so Logos, and, and so Paul is going to remind this church that, listen, don't drift away. Don't drift away from where you were called. Don't drift away from when you were saved. Don't drift away from that first day when God got a hold of you, and you surrendered all to Jesus. I surrender. All to him I freely give. Some of you have never done that. And you need to do that because one day you will surrender all to him. The problem is it will be on the other side of grace. You'll be completely in truth. That's a fearful thing to be in just a place of truth. Because truth convicts us. Because truth exposes us. And one day there's no sin that you can hide. 
If it's not hidden by the blood of Jesus, it will not be hidden by you. So get in the place of grace. That's here today. That's why scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today, God is offering you forgiveness. Today, God is offering you a brand new life. And Paul is reminding this church that Christ is supreme. Jesus is both the representation of God, but he's also the manifestation of God. He's God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He's fully God in every way. Verse 15, look at it, Colossians 1, 15. I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. Christ is the visible, we could see it visibly with our own eyes, the visible image. Icon is the Greek word. From it, we derive our English word icon. Means a copy or a likeness. And then it goes on to say in the Greek with an extra preposition, the exact likeness of God. This is God. So Christ is. He, it's not that Christ was. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Some of you are wondering, like, what's God like? He's like this. This is what God's like. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. What is God like? God is like this. He's like grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's not of the good works you've done or you would boast about it. It's the grace of God. And we get to the grace of God by having faith in God. But even faith is a gift from God. What is God like? God is like, love your neighbor as yourself. What is Jesus like? Go the extra mile. I mean, wouldn't this world be better if everyone in the workplace went the extra mile? What is God like? He's like this. He's the word. And he revealed himself. And there were people that walked with him and talked with him and saw his glory. But then God made sure that we could experience Christ. If you're not in the word, it's hard for you to experience Christ. You can substitute All kinds of fillers. But there's nothing like a great steak. I like chips. Chips are a ribeye. Let me pray about it. Ribeye. Every time. I mean, Lay's potato chips, Doritos, come on. But a steak? Jesus existed before anything was created. And is supreme. Someone say supreme. Over all creation. For through him, for through Jesus... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. That's why there's such an attack against creation. You say, well, I don't believe in creation. Well, that's fine. But but if you really want to know the truth and you really believe in science, then dig a little bit deeper because you'll come to the bedrock of truth. Because evolution is a faith. That's what evolution is. Some of you may disagree with me. That's okay. Evolution is me putting a faith in a religion that attacks the beginning of the Bible. Because the first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why do you think Satan tried to sell you that lie in elementary school, in middle school, in college, in higher education? Because the enemy knows if he can get you to doubt verse 1. He can get you to doubt a lot more. 
Why would God put that at verse 1? Because Jesus created it. And if you doubt that God is big enough to speak that, well, well, no, 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 no. Well, that's not, no, I'm just going to believe that something came from nowhere. So it takes more faith to believe that something, by the way, where did that something come from? Because your clothes didn't just poof because of gas. Well, maybe. But you know that watch didn't just poof in Vietnam. There was actually a designer. That's who Jesus is. He's the creator God. He's Jesus. And he spoke it into existence. He did that. And the truth is, and I'm not being hateful, but truth is he did that whether you believe it or not. He did that. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers, watch this, and authorities. And then all of a sudden, a little curveball, um, Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's not talking about what we think he's talking about. Then all of a sudden, he says, of the unseen world. Because we've seen presidents and kings and queens. We've not seen those kind of authorities of the unseen world, but they exist. Everything was created through him, through Jesus, and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So I love it. I love it that the Greeks, they're like, yeah, logos, man. It's, it's this force, and we don't know. We're not sure which God it is, but there's this force. And then, and then Paul's like, no, 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 let me take you to that force. It's, it's what John talked about. It's the logos. It's Jesus, the word. He's the one that holds it all together. He's the one that tells the sun when to get up for us. And the stars, where to go, and he calls them out by name. He's the one that sets the line and tells the oceans how far they can come. He's the one that puts a song in the birds, and they sing every morning. Why do you think they're singing? Because they're a bird. You know who made the birds? God made the birds. And God made them to sing. And he knows them. And he knows them so much that even if the smallest little bird, a little sparrow, falls out of a tree, one little sparrow, it catches God's attention. So application, God sees you. God's got you. What you worrying about, man? Can you become taller by worrying? Can you get more hair? No, trust me. I've tried it. It doesn't work. That's what Jesus said. He said, can you add any more Days to your life? No, 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 no. No, God's eye is on you. It's Jesus. And that's why it's all about Jesus, because it's all from Jesus. It's all from Jesus. The title of the message is, what's it all about? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's supreme. Watch this. It goes on and it says this. He not only existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. The church is his body. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church. It's his church. It's his church. It's his church. And I'm thankful that God calls us to be a part of his church. But he's the head. And we're the body. He is the beginning. He is supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Someone say first. first. He's first in everything. My son wants to be first in everything. We went to the Wahoos game this week and they're chasing the roach. You know what that is? You run after the roach. You know what that is? And he, he, he went and a man, he's going to get the roach, man. And he's, he's like back at the top of the stairs and I see him making his way down. His brother and sister, they're happy to be there. Not Gavin, he's driven. Gavin's like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. You're cutting lunch. Uh-huh, I'm going to be first. Excuse me, pardon me. And he's trying to get himself a chance. 
And he gets about halfway down the stairs. Okay, you're not doing this. And then they let him go. And here comes Gavin. Here comes Gavin, man. And Gavin's running, running, running. He's in third place. He's running third place. And uh, he, you know, the road should be really fast. Uh, Olympic sprinter, evidently, man. <laughs> It's not me, just in case you're wondering if that's Pastor Tim. That's not me. He, he's out there. He's running, man, running, running. That guy's so fast, man. He got some great cardio. And Gavin comes really close. And he comes back. He said, Dad, you see me? I was almost first. <laughs> he didn't say I was third. He said, I was almost first. <laughs> I was almost first. He is first in everything. My question is, is he first in everything in your life? Is he first in your finances? I just don't think that a God would, well, we just go after this, man. You know, it's not about what you think. It's about what he says, man. It's not like God said it and I believe it and that settles it. No, if God said it, pretty much settles it every time. I got to get in line with him because he's first. So if I want to be first, I can't be first because he's first. But I can be with the first. I was almost first. He's first in everything. You know what he wants as a believer? He wants to be first place in every area of your life. God God doesn't want to be a priority in your life. God wants to be the priority in your life. The priority. The priority. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Is he first? Is he first? I I wrote this question down that I'm asking in just a minute. But I want you to wrestle with this question. Is he first in my life? Is he first in your dating life? Is he first? Is he first in your marriage? Are you so unfulfilled because you're doing everything to try to fulfill your spouse? You need to just realize like, like your spouse, as great as they are, will never fulfill you completely because only God is big enough to do that. So if you just make Jesus first, then that makes me a better dad, makes me a better husband, makes me a better worker, makes me a better friend, makes me a better brother, makes me a better uncle. Are you with me? Makes me a better nephew. If he's first in my life, then, then it's good. It's all good. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. How did he reconcile you? How did he bring you back together? He did it by the blood of Jesus. And that's why the blood of Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's nothing else that deletes your sins. There's nothing else that cancels your sins. There's, there might be things that can cover it, but it can't cleanse it. I remember sweeping one time. Grandma told me to sweep the kitchen. I swept it, put it underneath the rug. Couldn't find the dustpan. I thought she'd never notice. However, that pile underneath the rug was found, even with Grandma's eyes. Grandma saw it, called me out on it. You know what we do with our shame and our sins? You know what we do? We try to hide it. Or we let the, the light of God shine on it, expose it, forgive it, right? It's kind of like going to the doctor. You have a broken bone. You go to the doctor, man. The thing might have to be reset. We don't want that to happen. Oh, no, 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 no. But then it gets like that. Now it can heal. You see, sometimes we don't want to hear about what's wrong with us, but God didn't show up to tickle ears. 
God showed up to save you from eternity without his love in a real place called hell. And there's no Captain Crunch in hell. There's no breakfast in hell. There's no cereal in hell. There's no air conditioning in hell. No mulligans in hell. No exit signs in hell. No do-overs in hell. No like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You were right. Can we try this thing again? There's none of that in hell. Even if hell had air conditioning, if God's presence wasn't there, wouldn't that be hell enough? Not to want to be there. But it's a real place so much that Jesus gave his life so that you don't have to go there. God never sends anyone to hell. Men do it in their own pride, refusing the God who loved them enough to reconcile them to him. And they said, no. And God said, have it your way. How did he make peace? There are people here today, you don't have peace. You need to know peace, but in order to have the peace of God, you must have peace with God. And we get that by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. How many of you were once far away from God? Come on. How many of you at one time were way, way, way far from God? I love this. We were once. That means we're no longer. I don't want to get excited about that. How many say, yeah, I identify with the first part. I once... But, but I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. I'm not anymore. I once was running from God. We're all runners. We all run. But there's a certain point where we run out of gas. And God will let you run out of gas. God will let you run long enough, hard enough, till like Riley last night, she got in the vehicle. She just, Phew. God let you do that because he loves you. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and your evil actions. Oh, God. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through what bridged the gap? Through the death of Christ in his physical body, in Jesus' physical body. He physically died. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence because of Jesus' death. He's brought us to himself and you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Can I just break it down today? Because of Jesus, not because of me, not because of my goodness, not because of my good works, not because of my behavior, not because of me being a preacher, not because I was in a pastor's home, not because I've never done drugs, not because of that, not because I never smoked, not because of that, because of him, I stand blameless. And he takes the dirty, and he makes them clean. He takes the sinner. He wants the sinner. He came for the sinner. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinner. He came for the lost. He came for the dirty. He came for the broken. He came for the people that thought, I don't have any hope. And Jesus shows up and he says, I am hope. I have a name. My name is Jesus. And I'm good enough for you. And I died for you. And you just come over here. You just stand with me. I'm first. Just come over here. Just come over here. That's who he is. Verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. I've watched the thing that breaks my heart. Number one, as a pastor, is watching people ignore the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God and walk to hell. Because there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That breaks my heart. The next thing really breaks my heart as a pastor is Christians who are miserable because they won't tap. 
God will get you in a place where you realize you're not stronger than he is. God will get you in a place where you're like, oh, all right, what do you want? You. All of you. Because I love you. And sometimes we go through hard times in our life and we're like, God's breaking me. Yeah, because you refuse to be broken. I've been there. If you think I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you. All of us. Zebras aren't ridden because they refuse to be broken. And God says, I'm not going to use someone that's not been broken. It's kind of like the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. We're going to break you so we can make you. You think you're tough? <laughs> Come here, tough guy. And God will get you in a place where he breaks you so he can make you, so he can bless you, so he can use you. That's what God wants. What matters most? Jesus. This is all about Jesus. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. It's not how much you know. It's not what you know. It's what what you're living. What are you doing? Actions speak louder than words. And Jesus said, man, it's it's not just about um, knowing the truth and being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word. Enough people have been hearers, but not doers. And that's why the world doesn't want Jesus. Because, yeah, you talk like Jesus, but you don't look like Jesus. You, 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 you go to church, but I don't see the love of God in you. You're hateful. So you got to continue to believe and stand in it. And stand firmly. Don't be a wimp. Don't be a wuss. Stand firmly, man. Man up. Strengthen your legs and stand in the place God called you to stand. Don't drift away from it. From the assurance you received when you heard the good news. See, you were sure that day God forgave you. You'll never forget it. And the enemy just wants to get you far away from that. He wants you to drift. And the further you drift, guess what? So will your assurance. So will your confidence. So will your belief. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And I, Timothy, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And you, Ben, you have been called out by God to proclaim it. And you, Josh, been called out by God. And you, Navar, you've been called out by God. And you, Mike, you've been called out by God as a servant of God to proclaim it. And if you name the name of Jesus, you are saved for a purpose. And that purpose was to let your light shine, not hide it under a bushel. Your purpose is to be Jesus with skin on. Your purpose is to say, I'm not number one. I'm not even sure I'm number two. Maybe I'm second, but I know I'm not number one. He's number one. He's been number one from the beginning because he's number one. And he's been number one all along the way. And one day at the end of time, it's not the end of time because God doesn't operate in time. He'll still be number one. So I'm going to live for number one. Some of you have been living for number one. How's it working? Some of you have been living for a person who's number one. And I'm just trying to please them if I could just make them happy. And you are just so frustrated. Because my God, you've tried everything, can't make them happy. That's because you're trying to live for a number something but not a number one. If you live for number one, you know what happened? Fulfillment. Purpose. 
everything in life will begin to make sense. Let me tell you one more thing about Jesus, and I'm going to close. He's number one. Let me tell you this. What matters most, you must continue to believe. So my question for you today is, will you? Will you continue to believe this truth? Will you continue to stand firmly in it? Will you continue to make sure that you are in the truth so you don't drift from the truth? Will you do that? So many other scriptures I could read. I'm not going to, but I'm going to tell you that this book may, from cover to cover, is the word of God. It's inerrant. It's the word of God. It's God's word to us. It's God revealed to us. This book reveals Jesus to us, reveals God to us. It reveals his heart to us. And he can be found from cover to cover. He can be found. He's not just found in the New Testament where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write about him. Peter and Paul and James write about him. No, no, he's found in every book. Though there may be a book where the name of Jesus is not mentioned. There's never been a book in the Bible where the presence of Jesus is not revealed. Where the person of Jesus isn't revealed. Where the character of Jesus is not revealed. In Genesis, Jesus is our glorious creator. In Exodus, he's our miraculous deliverer. In Leviticus, he's our sacrificial substitute. In Numbers, he's our gracious provision. In Deuteronomy, Jesus is our promised hope. In Joshua, he is our perfect leader. In Judges, he's our righteous ruler. In Ruth, he's our guardian or kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he is our true king. In 2 Samuel, he's our eternal one. In 1 Kings, he's our only hope. And in 2 Kings, he's our only perfect prophet. In 1 Chronicles, he's our perfect restorer. In 2 Chronicles, he's our true worship. In Ezra, he is our hope for return. And in Nehemiah, he's our rebuilder of the broken. In Esther, he's our divine advocate. And in Job, he's our suffering savior. In Psalms, he's our praise-worthy king. And in Proverbs, he's our divine wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our true hope. And in Song of Solomon, he's our deepest companion. In Isaiah, he is our sovereign savior. In Jeremiah, our our new covenant. In Lamentations, he's our faithful Lord. Ezekiel, he's our true temple. Daniel, he's our great king. Hosea, he's our pursuing spouse. And in Joel, he's our blessed hope. In Amos, he's our justice bearer. In Obadiah, he's our righteous judge. In Jonah, he's our missionary God. In Micah, he's our compassionate king. In Nahum, he is our wrath bearer. In Habakkuk, he's our joyful salvation. In Zephaniah, he's our mighty one. In Haggai, he's our main priority. In Zechariah, he's our humble king. In Malachi, he's our coming Messiah. But it doesn't stop there. Because in Matthew, he's our promised king. In Mark, he's our true God. In Luke, he's our gracious savior. And in John, he is our great I am. In Acts... He is our continued mission. And in Romans, he's our eternal salvation. In 1 Corinthians, he's our hope for change. And in 2 Corinthians, he's our invitation to repentance. In Galatians, he is our justification by faith. And in Ephesians, he is our peace with God. In Philippians, he is our joy even in suffering. And in Colossians, he is our head of all things. 
In 1 Thessalonians, he's our source of comfort. In 2 Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In 1 Timothy, he's our one mediator. One mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. That is the man, the God-man, the hypostatic, 100% God, 100% man. God left heaven to come to earth to become flesh, but he was still God. He became a man, but he never stopped becoming God so we could behold his glory. Even the glory has of the only one, the perfect one, the sinless one, the spotless one, the Lamb of God that would come and take away the sin of the world. And now I lost my place. In 2 Timothy, he's our source of strength. In Titus, he's our great God and Savior. In Philemon, he's our source of reconciliation. In Hebrews, he's our greater sacrifice. In James, he's our perfect example. In 1 Peter, he's our eternal reward. In 2, he's our Lord of salvation. In 1 John, he's our word of life and love. In 2 John, he's our God in the flesh. In 3 John, he's our bond of fellowship. And in Jude, he is our sustaining grace. And in Revelation, he's our worship forever. That's Jesus. That's who he is. He's number one. Never been number two. Never will be number two. Always been number one. Everything that was created was created by him and for him. Which means that you, friend, and you, friend, and you, friend, and you, friend, watching online, you were created by him and you were created for him. So will you? Will you? With heads bowed and eyes closed, you be seated. The presence of God. I want to ask you this question today. There are people here today. You've gone your whole life. And you might be near the end of it, not because of age, but because of your appointment with death. And death comes in all sizes and packages. We don't know how long we have. So the longer you refuse Jesus, the scarier it is for you. But you don't have to anymore. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have gone to Bible college. You don't have to, don't have to be that. All you got to be is a sinner who recognizes they have a need and that's a savior. If that's you today, do not wait. Don't hesitate, hesitate, procrastinate. Today is your day of salvation. Right where you're at, today you need Jesus. Will you choose him? Will you receive him? That means there's something on your part. You have to receive the gift of God. Will you receive them? If you do it today with heads bowed and eyes closed, you will immediately become a child of God. I don't care how many times you've been to church. I don't care how many Bibles you have. I don't care how many prayers you've said. I don't care how religious you've been. None of that put together, multiplied by a billion could get you to heaven. If you're not coming the way of the cross, if you're not trusting in nothing but the blood of Jesus, you're set up for failure. Amen. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. And I love you enough to preach the word to you. And I love you enough to let you know it's all about Jesus. And Jesus loves you so much. He died for you. Shed his blood for you. Will forgive you. All you have to do 
is come to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, back to the word. Scripture says if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus is, oh, Lord, there it is. Jesus is Lord. We'll confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God, the Father, raised God, the Son, from the dead. We will be saved. You know what it means to be saved? It means I was this close to death and then I was saved. I was rescued. There are people today, you need Jesus. Everything else is not organic. You need Jesus. So if you want to receive them, then let's confess with our mouths. Let's believe in our hearts that God raised them from the dead. I'm going to pray a prayer. Don't harden your heart today. God sees you. Don't, ma'am, don't harden your heart. Sir, don't harden your heart today. For some of us, this might be the last opportunity you have to receive the grace of God. Don't harden your heart today. Receive him today. If you want to do that, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And you repeat it after me. And it's, you're not going through me because <laughs> there's just one mediator between God and man. It's a man, Christ Jesus. You're going to pray right to Jesus. I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. We're talking to Jesus. You're not talking to me. We're talking to Jesus. If you're a Christian, I want you to say this prayer. Say it out loud so other people who will pray it for the first time can have some boldness, some confidence to pray it. Because the devil right now is doing everything he can in hell's power to talk him out of it. So let's... Let's pray this together. And then I'm going to ask at the end of the prayer, on the count of three, if you prayed it, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to be man enough, woman enough, teenager enough to raise your hand, not to be embarrassed, because Jesus just forgave you of everything. There's some people today, you're like, this is my day. You're right. It is your day. Let's pray. Do you say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you are my Savior. Put all my hope, trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried. And I believe you rose again. I want you to be Lord of my life. So come into my life. I give you mine. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus' name. For everyone watching online, for those in Navarre, for those in Blackwater, and those right here in Gulf Breeze, I'm going to count to three. You don't have to wait to three. I'm going to count to three. That's you. I want you to raise your hand up. We have a gift we want to give you. So let's do this thing on the count of three. You ready? Here we go. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't let the enemy talk you out. Come on. Be bold. Be courageous. A couple seconds of courage here. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now, hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up.